Episode number 318, Experience Conference 2021, Part 1, with Aaron Stewart and Stephen Brewster. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, before we start rolling this week, if you have enjoyed our podcast, I would love to encourage you to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcast, and tell your friends about us if you would. We are growing, and we would love for you to tell other ministry friends about us if you would. I have been doing quite a bit of traveling this fall with more to come. I've been uh, in Nashville a couple of times this month. A few weeks ago, I was at the Awana Discipleship Forum. Our 1230 media team serves Awana, creating custom videos and graphics for their curriculum uh, to children that uh, that serves thousands of churches around the world. Uh, it, we are humbled and honored uh, to work with organizations like Awana to create that content. Uh, I was there in Nashville meeting with some folks about our new uh, kids brand called 1230 Kids. And if you haven't checked it out, be sure to go to 1230kids.com, 1230kids.com. There you'll find a complete duplicate of our 1230 media site, but all for children's pastors and leaders. We have a full ready-made kids library with countdowns, games, lyric videos, motion backgrounds, collections of coordinated media that we call service packs, and more. We also have custom media services. So we serve great churches and ministries uh, like Awana. I mentioned also Answers in Genesis, Seeds Family Worship, Yancey, Doorpost Songs, Worship Team Kids, Children's Ministry Deals, Ministry to Children, uh, Go Curriculum, and more. We also have a blog and upcoming kids ministry podcast that we'll be launching soon. So we would love for you to tell your kids pastor or kid men leaders about 1230 kids. Just go to 1230kids.com. All right. On today's episode of the show, we will be sharing two interviews that we did while we were in Orlando at Experience Conference uh, a few weeks ago. Great worship leader conference, and we had a great time seeing and meeting you guys and uh, meeting uh, new friends. Uh, and I caught up with Aaron Stewart. Aaron is the co-founder of Planning Center. And I talked with Aaron about how Planning Center started, how to utilize Planning Center to its fullest potential, some new features coming in Planning Center, and more. I also chatted with my buddy Stephen Brewster. Brewster has been on the podcast a number of times, and this time we talked about the circle of creativity, why every church should release its own worship music, and more. Both of those interviews are really good, so I am really looking forward to sharing those with you. And both of them are on the way right after this. Hey guys, I am pre-recording the podcast this week because I will be in Nashville at the Kids Matter MegaCon Conference, and I wanted to take the opportunity to tell you 
how we got to serve my friend Ryan Frank and the team at Kids Matter and at Megacon. We work with several ministries in the kid men's space to create incredible graphics and videos. And for Megacon, we produce their promo video, we produce speaker intros, lower thirds, uh, full screen graphics, their opener video, their logo for their conference next year, and more. And here's a word from my friend Ryan Frank, who runs that conference. Check this out. Hey, it's Ryan Frank from Kids Matter. And I just want to do a quick shout out to Carl and the entire team at 1230 Media. Uh, we run a conference every fall for children's ministry leaders, kids pastors called Megacon. And as we approached this year's conference, we knew as a leadership team that we wanted to step up our production quality and just strengthen our brand. And we were excited to partner with 1230 Media on this project. They've helped us uh, with video content and vi video bumpers, um, on-screen elements for our sessions, and just so much more. They have been more than just a provider of content, but a real partner in ministry. Uh, we have recruited their services for our 2022 conference. They have made a wonderful preview video, kind of a, a promo video for Megacon 2022. They helped us uh, enhance our logo for our conference in 2022. And I just cannot speak highly enough of these people in this great organization. So uh, I hope that you'll consider them for your needs. And thank you, Carl. Thank you, 1230 Media. You guys are awesome. I've gotten to know Ryan over the last year or two. Uh, incredible ministry that he has going over there at Kids Matter, uh, ministering to thousands of children's pastors and leaders through Megacon and through other resources that he provides. So it's been great to get to know him. We would love to do the same thing that we've done for Ryan for your church or your ministry. And we can make about any custom graphic or video need that you might have. You can start your project right away by going to 1230.media slash custom. That's 1230.media slash custom. Hey guys, I'm hanging out with Aaron Stewart from Planning Center, co-founder of Planning Center. So I'd love to know a little bit about the genesis of Planning Center. Uh, you were telling me about your friend Jeff. Both of you guys founded the company together. Mm -hmm. Give me the, the the start, 2005? 2000, yeah, well, two, 2004 to five. I started at a church in um, the Palm Springs area of California. Worship leader there. I was a worship leader there. Okay. Uh huh. And it was a it was a fairly big church, about four thousand weekend attendance. And I um, was directing some of the worship teams, and we also had somebody that was leading choirs and an orchestra, and there were separate venues all over the place. And so, um, when I showed up at the church. Uh, I was like, how, how have you guys been doing stuff? And there were these like manila folders and someone was like burning CDs and printing out the music packets. That was no big deal. I was expecting that, but someone was also driving them to people's houses. And I was like, I, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. Um, so it was like, how can we, how can we streamline this? And, you know, Facebook wasn't out yet, which was sort of like the push into like web applications basically but but the internet was definitely going so I was like I think we can use this so Jeff helped me start to get all the content for the worship team to rehearse online and so I would just make I would upload my content every week 
you know, just have to do it, repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, he was helping some other ministries in the church sort of figure out the timing of their, the services because we had to sync an upstairs service and a downstairs service and all complicated. So the timing really mattered at this church. Um, so it was like, well, what if we come together and make this into something that we can put online that I don't have to do the same exact work over and over and over. I can like build a song library and then start to use that. And then we can do service timing. Shortly after, actually right around that time, I got a new job at a church in Las Vegas and it was a bigger church and they were using Macs and not PCs, which is what I was on in Palm Springs. And so that's when the web stuff started to happen. It was like, well, should we make this for Windows or for Macs? What if we what if we use this new web technology that's barely a thing? Let's just explore this so that it didn't matter what platform you were on. So I moved to Vegas. My church there was the first church to use Planning Center. We sort of were demoing it beginning of 2006. And then 2007, um, in June 26th, we launched at Saddleback Church's Purpose Driven Worship Conference in Southern California. And then we've been growing basically every week since then. So tell me, uh, obviously services are what mainly people use, Yeah. but tell me kind of the genesis of services turned into this, turned into this. Yeah. So at the beginning, we were just planning center. There was no, it wasn't called services. The whole thing was just did one thing, which was worship planning and volunteer scheduling. And so it was just called planning center online. Um, worship leaders really, um, they just got it. They just understood it. And like, man, I wish that you guys made other software for our church that would do these kind of things. But we didn't want to. Um, Jeff famously at our company sort of said, we will never be a church management system. It was literally a quote like up on our wall. Um, and it was because we weren't... Y'all have painted over that since? It is still there as a joke now <laughs> okay. to show our history, to show okay, that, gotcha. you know, how we have changed gotcha. over the years. Um, but uh, the reason for that is we weren't, we never got into this to like, cause we just wanted to make money. We didn't want to like sell the company and become millionaires or whatever. Like, you know, like so many software companies get started. Um, we just wanted to make our own church better and then thought, Hey, we can help other churches get better too. So we were only really interested in building things that we were passionate about and thought that we could do something. And from a church management system perspective, we weren't really passionate about that. We didn't, have great, we didn't think we had better ideas than anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, but then over the years, more and more of our, our customers were like, we want you to do this. We want you to do this. Then, you know, Jeff had kids. He was starting to check them into to, to, um, to their classrooms using a check-ins product. And he was like, man, I don't like Thanks. this. I could build a much better check-in system than this. So the passion started to develop for that. And then as our team at Planning Center got bigger, people at the company, they had passions outside of just, because I'm a worship leader, so that that's where those passions always come. But other people were passionate about small groups, were passionate about different things. And so we were able to build up a team um, of people that felt the same way about those other products that I have always felt about services. And so probably in about 2010 uh, uh, or 11, we decided, let's, we're, we're ready. Like, let's start to expand. And so we built, um, a central calendar program, which back then had a different name. Um, then we built check-ins and then we we're like, well, we need to sort of combine all those things into one. And so then over the next three to four years, we built out 
giving and small groups um, and registrations and planning center people, which is this, like the center of planning center, which is where your entire church database um, lives. And that, that one is actually like totally free for anybody to use as well. So, and you have a new one coming out, right? Yes. Tell me about it. Yes. About a year ago, we launched a product called publishing. Before I can tell you what that is, you sort of have to understand the rest of our products. So planning center giving allows people to go online and give, but they don't go to planning center because a church, the name planning center doesn't, wouldn't really make that much. They're not planning. Right. What are they planning? <laughs> um, so the public side of planning center is church center. So when you go to register for an event or fill out a form or chat with your small group, you go to church, well, your church dot churchcenter.com. So church center is sort of like the public side and church center is a website and it's also a mobile app. So tons of churches are able to use church center. Their, their team members go into the app and they log in and they can, they can get their giving statements. They can chat with their groups. They can sign up. They can see the calendar, all that stuff. So planning center gives you all these really powerful things that hook into church center kind of for free if you're using all the rest of those things. So you've got this really powerful app and website. At that point, people are like, well, this is great. If you just let me make a couple extra pages, this could actually be my whole website, mm -hmm. not just the powerful like database parts of it. So what publishing is, it's a new product for planning center that allows you to customize and power up your church center app or website so that it can be your whole website. It can have a page like about us and it can have, um, it can describe all the different ministries. It also has a place um, for uploading your sermon library. People can stream your videos online. They can chat with the whole church. They can chat with just their small group. You can put your sermon library in there so they can go back and they can watch any historical stuff. Um, and that's all through Planning Center Publishing. How, how much does that cost? Give me a- That one, yeah. So most all of our products, you you they all have the same features and you just pay them the more people are gonna use it. Publishing is a little different in that it has just three tiers based on what features you want to use. So for free, you get the app, you get to customize your homepage. For $14 a month, you get to add unlimited custom pages. And then for $29 a month, you can have your sermon library on there. So I want to get into your workshops that you're doing here at Experience Conference, but let's talk about the last couple of years. How has the pandemic affected you and how you guys relate to churches? What have you seen some of the, the trends? Where do you see us moving? Yeah, that sort of thing. yeah, absolutely. So when the pandemic started, shortly afterwards, um, we realized that in sort of looking at our stats that kids weren't checking in to church because they weren't going to church. Nobody was going actually to a church building. So we started to give check-ins away for free. We didn't want people to have to cancel it. We're like, people aren't using this. Let's just give it away. So we ended up making check-ins totally free for six or seven months. Um, so that took a big hit in our revenue, um, but it made sense because churches were also taking big hits in their right. <laughs> revenue or, um, you know, and so, um, so, but at the same time, the online sermons thing started to pick up and churches who had never thought that they needed to worry about online giving or, or digital giving all of a sudden had to do that. So there was sort of like a frantic rush to find ways for their people to still give 
online. And so we had way more signups to planning center giving than we would have had in another year. So it did kind of help offset the balance of, of that check-ins thing. But that, that one of the trends, which is not surprising to anybody because everyone's done it is like online giving, you know, became a big thing. Right. And, and then even watching sermons online. So those, so giving, we didn't have to really change much, just more people signed up. Do publishing, the publishing stuff come from the pandemic or you guys were already? Working? We were already working on it. Um, but integrating online sermons into publishing, that was going to be further down the line. We had a couple of other things. Yeah, we were going to build into publishing first, but we were like, people need this. Let's do this now. So we moved that up and did that with the launch of publishing. The other thing we did in quite a few of our products, so in services, we realized everyone is either postponing services or rescheduling them or they're pausing their reminder emails. So we took like a month and just did a whole bunch of features. Um, rescheduling months of your service, all the things I just mentioned uh -huh. are now features because we did those there. Same thing in planning center registrations. People needed to refund a bunch of registrations or they needed to postpone them, reschedule. So we, we added features at the last minute um, to try to help churches with the things that we knew that they needed to do right then, even though they weren't previously in our priority. Gotcha. All right. So tell me, you're doing three workshops this week. Um, and, and one of them uh, is, I guess we talked about some of the kind of the church center, church management stuff. But yeah. Give me a little bit more of what you're going to talk about in that workshop. Yeah. So it's called um, Using Planning Center as Church Management. And that's, that's mostly for people that sort of just know us for services. And they're like, just tell me about all the rest of the things that you do and what even is the process of like either getting started if you don't even have a church management system or the bigger question is what if I do have one and it's not really working for us, how would we move over and answering some of those kind of questions? Gotcha. All right. Uh, so last question for you. Give me your, your passion. You guys have been doing this for 15 years or so? Almost. Mm -hmm, 15 years. Um, so tell me where your passions lie now, how your passions have maybe moved. Are you still same, uh, passionate about the same things you were back then? I'm still passionate about the same things. I'm passionate maybe just about more things <laughs> than I was before. I have a bigger understanding about more of like all the different things that the church um, maybe needs. But our passion is really to help churches use technology to reach the people in their communities and technology can, why do you think that's important maybe you're going there yeah it's because uh, you know our world is becoming more technology driven um this last year not because anyone necessarily wanted it to be but because it was the only way you know and now that that has happened like that was happening anyway but now that it's happened it's going to keep happening maybe a little bit faster than it was before. That's a good question. Do you think online, obviously online's here to stay. Talk, talk to the churches who maybe were not online before the pandemic and mm -hmm. maybe what you need to do to continue to grow your online presence. I think just making sure that you are um, investing in those tools. And so Planning Center has a lot of those tools to help you do that, but um, remembering that those people are out there, that it, there was a resistance to online things because the church is community. The church is meeting with people, in per like is, is knowing people in person. But there are some people that cannot do that. There are people that are shut in, that are in the hospital, that, you know, that are on vacation and still want to attend church. And so it, to not write it off that the church is 
only in person if it doesn't have to be. And now it doesn't have to be. And so being able to reach people wherever they are, I think is important. Um, So really just spending the time to think about that as at least one of the things that you care about, I think is really important to make sure that we're reaching the people that are coming to us from anywhere. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, you guys uh, have done an amazing job over the years putting out stuff that that we all use now. We all know what it means to decline a planning center invite uh, and things like that, uh, or accept one. Uh, so you guys have done amazing work. So thank you for your work for the kingdom and thanks for hanging out, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey guys, before we jump to our next interview, I want to let you know about our blog at 1230.media. We have over 600 articles on the site categorized by your ministry area, meaning you can jump right to articles on church media and production, worship, communications, service planning, and more. Free training to help you make Sunday happen. It's all at 1230.media slash blog. That's 1230.media slash blog. Hey guys, hanging out with my friend Stephen Brewster. Stephen, you're doing a whopping four workshops. Four workshops this time. experience conference yeah. this week. So let's hit on a couple of them. Okay. Um, and we can just hit the highlights of each. So uh, one is how to lead when things aren't normal, yeah. which has been our life the last <laughs> well, <laughs> year. Exactly, right? Uh, so kind of get me into what yeah. you talked about. So the time. first thing is, is normal such a facade, right? right? Like we, we, we have this big unnormal right now being a pandemic and COVID, but the truth is none of us ever really experienced normal. There's always something that's affecting our world. And so... Uh, the first part of the whole idea is we should never work for or towards normal because normal doesn't exist. It's, it's a facade. The second thing is like, if you look at, at, at the Bible, um, it says that we're a peculiar people, a holy nation. It's very hard for me to, comprom- like to, to compartmentalize how a peculiar person could be a normal person. And so if God's called us to be leaders and we're made to be peculiar people, we should be prepared for the unnormal right? And so what are we doing to be prepared for the unnormal? Well, the first thing that we have to understand is that unnormal is constant. So like we are all in either the beginning of a transition or an unnormal moment, we're in the middle of it, or we're coming out of one. And if we're not, someone else in our ecosystem or our world or our organization is, right? right? So there's never really this false hope of normal, but God's never surprised. He knew you'd be in the seat that you were in, and he actually planned it. And so you were made for this moment. You were made for the moment to lead through whatever the unnormal is in your world. And so um, the whole conversation was really just about that. So give me a couple of points and takeaways that I can can lead. So the, the first one is definitely to embrace the fact that things aren't normal, right? Um... The, the second one is to make sure that as a leader, you're always asking more questions than you are answers. Because when things aren't normal, and especially in seasons where it's big unnormal, we lead almost in a fog, right? Like we're leading without clear visibility of what's ahead of us. So when we come in and make definitive statements or definitive decisions without asking questions first, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily always mitigate the risk or understand what's true like there's some really core questions know how it's going to affect everything right right and 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 it's interesting because our country we all know our country's in a in a very unique season where there's so much division 
And a lot of that division's been created because I think good leaders have tried to make good decisions, but they don't know what they don't know. And as a leader, you're probably sitting there doing the same thing. You're making the best decision that you can make, but you don't necessarily know what you don't know. So the more questions that we ask, the more information we try to collect actually helps us take the next step, which is make bold decisions and have faith. And if God trusted you, if you go back to the original premise, which was God's not surprised, he knew you'd be here and he planned for you to be here, Mm -hmm. then that gives you a confidence to trust that he's gonna give you the answer and the decision. And if it's the wrong decision, he's gonna give you the grace to repair it. So what's the best way to gather answers to my questions? Is it a Google survey to the whole team? How do I know who to ask questions to? Yeah. You know, if I don't know what I don't know, maybe I don't know who to right. ask what to. So How do I, I, I think the first thing is what do we know and what do we not know? So you get with your leadership team and you ask those questions. And those questions are gonna inform who you go to and where you go to ask the other questions. And As a leader, the higher you ascend inside of an organization, and by ascend I mean have more responsibility Mm -hmm. and more influence, the further you are from like ground floor. And so you gotta get, in in, in times of of unnormal, you have to get back to the ground floor and figure out what do people know on this level that isn't filtrating up to the level where we're making these decisions. Good. All right, so you're doing another one on the cycle of creativity. Yes. And uh, we've talked about this uh, topic before. So give, give yeah. me the quick version of quick the cycle of creativity. Of the cycle. Yep. So we all live in cycles. And uh, unfortunately for most of us, we live unintentionally in cycles. And we just, they happen to us instead of us making them happen. And so the, the, the whole cycle of creativity concept is uh, you were made to be creative, whether you, most, a lot of people think they're not. And actually most people, scientifically, about 2% of people actually grayed out as creative. And it's not because God didn't intend for all of us to be creative. It's because we've given up on creativity somewhere in our, in our journey. And so, um, so you are creative. God called you to be creative. He made you in his image. Be creative. And then as you start to be creative, you start to live in this tension of how much of my identity is connected to my ideas. And so you have to get enough courage to overcome your idea being rejected and it not being you being rejected, right? Right. And then once you've done that, now you're gonna start sharing ideas like crazy. Someone's gonna help you execute an idea. It's gonna become successful. And now you love that feeling. You love that feeling yeah. of a successful idea. So now you're gonna to try to bottle that up and live on that for as long as you can. And that's actually not creative. And so if the, the Bible, the first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth fifth word of that sentence is created. It's the first time we see God's character. A couple verses later, he says that we're made in his image. So if we're made in God's image and he's creative, we're meant to be creative. So when we get to the success spot, a lot of us then start to try to replicate that same idea, maybe with a different color or a different uh, version or a different whatever. But the truth is we move then from success to management. We get into a management zone And when you're in the management zone, you're on the opposite end of the creative zone. It's very hard, almost impossible, to be managing an old idea. And by managing, I don't mean project managing. I mean like manipulating an old idea to try to preserve the residue of its past success. Um, It's hard to be in that space and also be creative. And then hopefully something's gonna push you past that to desperation. You get to desperation, that's where you start to get inspired again. Once you get inspired again, you can create. And that's the cycle that most people live in. And it's it's unfortunately an unhealthy cycle. The greatest artists go straight from creation to success. 
and then they bypass the management side altogether. They go to cross the line to desperation where they can be inspired to create again. So it's taken me a long time to, to realize uh, this or be comfortable in this. In, in a creative setting, being the first one to throw out a, a, a mm -hmm. crazy idea, bad idea, you know, yeah. no ideas are bad ideas maybe but knowing that <laughs> knowing that i can throw that out and it could be the most off the wall mm -hmm. you know a dream but it gets us started it started right and gets us to the next bad idea and then the good and then the better and then the better right so walk, walk me through that does that resonate with 100 percent. There, there's actually a there's actually a really interesting um study there was this psychologist <clears throat> and his office would go to lunch every day and when they would go to lunch, it would take them 15 minutes every day to figure out where they were going to go to lunch. And he was like, we're wasting 15 minutes of the day. And he said, I wonder what would happen if I just threw out a terrible idea. And so he comes in the next day and he says, hey, uh, they start to collect for, hey, where are we going to go to lunch today? And they, they're just starting the cycle mm -hmm. over again. And he right. says, you know what? Let's go to McDonald's. And everybody's like, no, we're not going to McDonald's for lunch. Like, you only go to McDonald's on accident. And... Um, they made a decision in about three minutes as opposed to 15. The, there are no bad ideas. There may be some mistimed ideas. Uh, there may be some distractive ideas, but they're not bad. And so um, as a leader, your responsibility is to yes and every idea until you can build to you get to the idea that creates the traction and the energy that you need around whatever the concept is. Because what I found, maybe this is your experience too, those bad ideas, I keep them. Yeah. In a in a file. Yes. Digital, whatever, because that idea might work for right. the next project. Sometimes it's just mistimed, right? One hundred percent. Oh, remember that crazy idea you had for right. that? It'll work here. But we should always be collecting ideas. Like, right. it, it, but you have some awesome ideas on like how to do a creative meeting and, and it's a lot ideas. of fun for sure. Yeah. All right. So give me some of the pillars of. But let's talk to creative pastors sure. in that yeah. vein. Some. So give me some of the pillars of being a creative pastor. Yeah, so as a creative pastor, uh, most of us lean into the creative side more than the pastoral side. And so I think the first and most important thing is that you're spending intentional time with God every single day. And it's very hard for you to lead as a creative pastor if you're not spending time with, with God. Uh, you have to curate the pastoral side of who you are with the same intentionality that you curate the artistic side of who you are. And uh, when you do that, that permissions you to be a creative pastor. Mm. Then the next, that's the leadership phase, right? Then the next phase is, um, is the relationship phase. And so as a creative arts pastor, you're, you're managing some very intense relationships. You're managing a relationship with a senior leader, uh, with a boss, with other ministry leaders, and if you're multi-site with campus pastors. And so learning how to manage those relationships is really important. Once you manage those relationships well, you still have to protect and honor and inspire the artists that serve with you and work with you. So we need to always be making sure that we're protecting and, and, and developing a culture and an environment where they can be their absolute most creative. And so those three things are really, really key um, to, to making sure that as a, as a creative arts pastor, you're doing those things well because when you become the creative arts pastor, you've moved from being the artist to being the leader. And people are becoming your art now more than your actual art was your art in the past. Uh, I'm not sure if this relates, but let's see if it does. So uh, I know that uh, like Barna has done some research and others have done some research that the normal 
pastor ministry is now in the like, three to five year range. I'm going to yep. stay at a church three to five years or less. Um, and so a lot of guys might be experiencing burnout, and I think some of it is that tension between trying to please my senior pastor and trying to mm-hmm. manage my my uh, team, and, and I'm stuck in the middle of that. Yep. Give me some tips on how to prevent sure. frying to a crisp. The, the, the first one is expectations. Everything rises and falls on expectations on the creative side. So if you're going to, if you're going to serve your pastor well, you have the responsibility to make sure that the expectation is clear. Once you have a clear expectation from him or her, then you can go to your team and set a clear expectation for them. You also have to always be balancing the tension of, there's two tensions that you live in in this role. One is how do we make art and then how do we make it connect? And so anytime that the, the coolness or the creativeness of our product outweighs the connectivity of our product, we've been, we've been a little bit self-serving. We've put our preferences above our purpose. And so that's dangerous. The other part is, is that a creative arts team, whatever you call it at your church, the creative team at your church, balances innovation and service. Without serving other ministries, we don't have a ministry. And part of our ministry is to innovate. So you, we have to sometimes uh, change the perception that we have of what we're called to do. When you walk into the office and understand, I'm gonna make the greatest art, I'm gonna tell the greatest story, I'm gonna deliver the greatest presentation I can for what is happening at our church, it changes it, changes what you're doing that day from I gotta make cool stuff to I get to share the most important story of this community with this community. So I'm a big movie buff. Yes. And there's a director named Michael Bay mm-hmm. uh, that creates these big, you know, huge. huge movies. And some of them are great. And some of them, I think, suffer from too many bells and whistles on the effects. Right. Where there's so much time being spent on how do we blow this up. Right. Where the, I'm lost in the story. Right. I, I've no, where, where I'm at, that it, it's so much bells and whistles that the story gets lost. Is that true for churches sometimes where we're so... Uh, it, call it performance-driven, right. call it whatever you want to call it. Are we so bells and whistles that we miss yeah. sharing the message in a clear, concise I mean, place? maybe we are, but I don't know that that's true of all churches. I don't know if that's I true. I agree with you. I don't know if that's true of even all teams. I think we have seasons of that. Right. I think we have seasons where our preferences outweigh our purpose, and, and that's always a dangerous thing. I also think that um, you as a leader, when you step into a new, a new organization or a new church, God was so creative in how he made diversity of people. If he was that creative in the diversity of people that he created, he was also that creative in how he created churches. Don't go work at a church that doesn't do the thing that you feel like is best for you as, right. as an artist, right? right. Or so you'll be frustrated. if you're the Michael Bay then you need to go to Michael Bay churches that do Michael Bay work. And it's never going to feel over the top then because it fits the culture. It fits the calling of that church. But if you're Michael Bay and you go to some indie uh, film festival, Mm -hmm. you're going to get laughed out of the place. And so make sure you're just choosing the right culture to fit in. Good point. Not every artist is called to every culture. Great point. All right, so last topic. Yes. Is... uh, you believe that every church should produce their I, own worship music? I think that every church should release their own worship music. Tell me about Original it. worship music. Well, not every church should be Elevation or Hillsong or Vertical or Bethel or whoever. 
That's not what God's called any church to do. But I think that every church, if every church, if a church knows what they're called to do and who they're called to reach, they should be creating the soundtrack of their ministry that goes with that. And when you release music, if you take the financial and the business side out of it, when you release music, there's some really beautiful things that can happen. First off, you're starting to create like a sonic canvas for, for what your ministry is. The second is you start to value your volunteers in a different way. That, that bass player who works at Lowe's, hears himself on Spotify, he's never declining Planning Center again, right? Like he is all in on it. Um, you also, it's a great marketing tool for your church in your community because you become the church that's now releasing music. And so other people are gonna find your church through, through the music. Um, and then it just, it's a great additional ministry step for your church because a lot of people who are attending your church, they think that you wrote Graves into Gardens and that's awesome for you. Uh, they don't know the, the, the scope of worship music, right? Yeah. So when they're in a position on a Tuesday where they just need to have that feeling that they had on a Sunday, if they know that they can go listen to your music, that's going to help them through that moment. And it becomes a really sweet ministry moment. What if I'm the only guy? I'm the only worship guy at my church. I don't have that many volunteers. That's cool. Ed Sharon's pretty cool, and he does a lot of stuff on his own, you know? And so... Um, it doesn't, ha again, I think we get into this trap of everything has to be at a 10. Not everybody was called to be a 10. Not everybody even is going to create to a 10. Create for where you're at. Create for the people that you serve and live with and, and do life with. And give them the songs that are, t the beautiful thing about music and songs is that there's a lot of things you've wanted to say to people that you've loved and you didn't know how to say it until you hear the lyric write the lyric that helps somebody say something to God that they've never said to God before. That's good. All right. The name of the podcast is Making Sunday Happen. Yes. So give an encouragement to creatives, worship pastors, pastors, especially in this season. Yeah. Who have been and continue to make Sunday happen. Well, making Sunday happen matters, and it's really, really important. Uh, I, you know, I always say there's never just another Sunday. And it's not because Sunday is so important. It's because every Sunday... Somebody needs the hope, the story, the grace, the love, maybe even the conviction that you're going to help deliver. And as a leader, you're making Sundays happen. And the most important thing that you can do is show up and give your best. And one of the things that I feel like God's really teaching me right now is that my job is not how people respond to this. My job is to steward what God has put in front of me, give it the absolute best effort that I can, and then let him handle the response. And so every Sunday, it's, it's, some of you are really tired. Some of you are uh, exhausted. Some of you are burnt out, maybe. Uh, some of you are totally energized and excited and can't wait for Sunday. Either end of the spectrum, just remember that making Sunday matters. Good. Thanks for the time, dude. Appreciate My pleasure, it. bro. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Hey guys, come on back next week as we'll have two more interviews from Experience Conference 2021. I'll be talking with worship leader Jason Brooks. Jason and I talked about how to raise up leaders in your worship choir and within your worship ministry. And I also chatted with Ableton master Will Doggett. Will and I took a deep dive into Ableton, how and why to use multi-tracks in your worship experience and more. Good one next week. 
Our podcast URL is makingsundayhappen.com for show notes, archive episodes, and more, makingsundayhappen.com. We'll go out there, guys, and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.